This is the Trigger Warning Talk podcast where we discuss we discuss excuse me trigger warning talk conversations. I am your host LP, your fire medic CEO. I have a very special guest in my house in terms of my podcast house. Her name is Kimberly Hobbs. She is a certified life coach. She is the founder and CEO of Speak Sister Brothers Speak. LLC. She's an author of the Speak Sister Journal. She has two degrees, not one, two. She has a bachelor's degree and an MBA. And she also is a master's degree. So when I say MBA, I just want to say that again because she's a master's degree. I'm trying to get her to go for a doctor, but that's a whole nother conversation. I'm just saying she's certified in HR. She has a wealth of knowledge. She is a mental health professional. And we're going to dive into three areas of conversation today. We're going to talk about domestic violence, sexually based offenses, and her experience being a life coach. If you are triggered at any time during this podcast, which is sponsored by Anchor, it will be streaming on the major platforms. It's produced by my company, which is Penton Pending Consultant Solutions. LLC. If you're triggered at any point during this podcast, we have a number of resources listed in the audio description that will be available upon showtime. And those resources include the sexual assault hotline, the domestic violence hotline, the trafficking hotline. We have a number of other resources. They have a person that is triggered, may want to use drugs and or alcohol. We have Alcoholics Anonymous, their hotline, Narcotics Anonymous, their hotline and website. Also, Al-Anon, which is the support group for family members and loved ones of people that use drugs and or alcohol. There's a new 911 number that's in effect that's going to be nationwide, as of July 16th of 2022, that number is 988. Again, that's going to be the new 911 number for mental health emergencies. It's in some locales in the U.S., but nationwide, it will be out July 16th, 2022. Coach Kim is my Aquarius sister, so we have a whole lot in common as Aquarius, and I want to welcome you. Coach K, and why do they call you Coach K? Brother, they call me Coach K because I stay coached up, period. Period. And that's it. Coach K, I want us to jump right into this because you and I can talk every day and twice on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And we talk all the time. I want you to tell me about how your experience on the trauma side of being someone who survived a sexually based offense, how that affected you when that happened? Okay. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, um, we, we do real talk on this podcast. So say what it is. It is what you say. We do uncensored conversations. So if you have to say whatever that is a curse word. It's okay. In other words, this is grown folk. This, this is, is grown folks conversation. This is real and raw. It's real, real and, raw. and raw. So let's go. Okay. Um, 
well, I will say I have um, survived a few sexual assaults. And one being when, <clears throat> when I was a young girl, a child, and unable to defend myself, you know, um, I was um, molested as a little girl. And I could not defend myself. I had, you know, to rely on my parents to protect me. And I didn't know, I have a stepfather that raised me. I didn't know who my biological father was. And I don't know if that affected, like I was very close to my stepfather, but I'm not sure if that affected his ability to protect me the way he should because I was not his biological child. I still, I don't quite understand, you know, understand that. And I don't think too deeply on it. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I just don't because it's too heavy for me when I try to think about it. Cause you know, you, you raised me like he literally raised me and I know he loved me and he provided and protected me as best he could. But I don't know in times of, you know, certain areas if because I was not his biological child if that you know prevented him from being able to you know do whatever I don't know because I don't and so I don't think too deeply of it because I don't want to take away from a stepparent's role in a child's life sure yeah because my kids have had a stepfather so I don't want to take away from that role so I don't think too deeply about my stuff but I will say I was raised by my stepfather and at the time when I was that young, I did not know who my biological father was. So that's that. So I was um, molested as a child and I was at an age where I was unable to protect myself. And I was also at an age where I was unable to understand what was happening. I didn't know what was happening. I just knew that there were things that were happening to me that did not feel right and they didn't feel comfortable. And my story of molestation is my mom, I had a babysitter and I was probably nine, 10 years old and I had a babysitter and my mom would take me to the babysitters every day, you know, especially when I was out of school during the summers and, you know, whatever else, she would take me to the babysitter's house and um, the babysitter had two teenage boys and I don't remember their ages. I would guess anywhere between 14 16 somewhere around in there but two teenage boys and the babysitter I can't remember where she used to be maybe in her bedroom somewhere like I don't remember where she would be but I remember the boys would play with me a lot I'm this little girl and they would just always play with me and I'm a little girl you know I like to play yeah. and they would do things while they're playing with me and I'm thinking we're playing and even at that young age, there was something that I remember saying, something ain't right. Something ain't right. I didn't quite know what wasn't right, but something just was not right. And I remember one day I told my mom about it. And I was like, mom, they did this and this happened. And I don't know. I don't feel right. And <clears throat> my mom, you know, I give her grace now. And I'll explain that later. But my mom at the time was like, well, I ain't got nobody else that'll keep you. And I got to go to work. So I'm you you going back over there. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I'm a little girl, so I can't remember all of my emotions back then. But now that I'm older, I think the reason why me and my mother had such a difficult relationship as I became, you know, older as a teenager and a young adult, because I never forgot that. And I remember there were times when I was like, you didn't protect me. Like you just, I tried to tell you what was happening. And I don't know if you didn't believe me or if it truly was, you had no, you, there was nobody else that could keep me. But for whatever the reason, you did not protect me. You put me back in harm's way. And there was a moment in my life where I could not forgive her. Like I went, I think the longest I went was probably three years where I did not speak to my mother. I didn't know how she was doing. She didn't know how I was doing. She didn't know where I was. I could not forgive her. And I think it was about three years because I resented her for that. I was just like, you put me back in harm's way. So that was one of the first violations of my life. I was molested. And then um, I went to college and I was raped twice my freshman year in college. And these were date rapes. So I, you know, cause people, there are some women that have suffered horrific rapes by strangers on the street. I can't take that away. I, that has not happened to me, but date rape is still just as it's still a rape because date rape is I'm trusting you. Right. I trust you. Like I'm going out with you. I'm hanging with you. So I trust you. And um, so, yeah, I had two date rapes my freshman year in college. And I'll be honest, I think that was the once the, the second rape happened. That is what probably broke me. And I was not the same. Like I lost it. I just was done. I was done. I was done with life. I was just, I was done. I, I don't even know who I was. When I look back at myself, I'm like, I don't, I don't recognize that girl. Like I was, I was wiped. I was done. I didn't trust people, didn't care about people, could care less about you, your feelings. Like I was just, it was, yeah, it was bad. So I've had a few um, sexual assaults in my life and, um, yeah we're gonna we're gonna segue into that later on because you make a great point about rape is rape however you can categorize it from different perspectives regarding stranger and somebody you know and we're gonna get into that because you and i talked offline about this earlier before this podcast so we're going to put a pin in that we'll come back to it okay moving forward and i i I so sincerely hate that that happened to you i i it just because i know people that have that has happened to yeah and so it's like it's just one of those things it's just like man again we're going to get into that a little later on I would like for you to tell us when you, when that happened to you and you said you just kind of got to a point where you were like dead inside. How did you look for, or when did you look for therapy and what age were you when this, this happened? 
Oh, my brother, honestly, excuse me. And this may reign true for quite a few sexual um, survivors, sexual assault survivors. Sure. I did not, I did not even understand that those things had affected me the way that they did. I did not even understand that my life was such a wreck and things were not happening, you know, for me because of the trauma I was carrying from my past. I didn't know this. I was, man, when I tell you I was well into adulthood, I, it was just like a few years ago, like literally, seriously, it was just maybe 10 or 12 years ago when I started to understand that in, unless we heal and unless we can come to terms with our past and the trauma from our past, it will, it, it will, it will affect our future. I didn't understand that, but there was a point in my life 10 or 12 years ago when I was just like, I'm tired. Why, why am I not progressing further than I should be? Why, why am I not, you know, why are, I'm not where I want to be. Why is my attitude still messed up? Because I was starting to get tired of people saying, you so pretty. Why are you so mean? And I'm like, wait, what? Because people would say that to me, like, you are so pretty, but you are so mean. You ruthless. And at some point I had to look at myself in the mirror and I had to say, why am I so mean? Why am I out here putting hurt into the world when I really do have love in me? I really want to love on people. And that's when I had to do that inner work. So I didn't go to quote unquote therapy. I did not. I, okay. I attempted one time, but it was uncomfortable for me sitting in front of a stranger and pouring my stuff out. I didn't, I wasn't feeling it at the time. I think I went to three sessions and I didn't go back. But what I started doing is I started journaling. I started writing my stuff out because what I realized is I have a whole lot of hidden and um, unhealed emotion toward people. It, it wasn't just myself because I didn't like myself. So I had some stuff against myself, but it started with the people that were supposed to protect me. And so when I started writing, I first wrote a letter to my mother. She never to this day, and she's not here with us anymore, but she has never read that letter and she has never heard that letter because this was a letter between me and her but more so between me and god i needed to get this off of me so i wrote a letter to her and i was that little girl that she kept sending back to this babysitter that you know when i was telling her i'm something's not right they're mistreating me i don't I, i'm not happy something's not right so i wrote a letter to her and in that letter, I remember telling her, I think that's what led up to my date rapes. Now, I'm not I'm not putting that burden on her for me being date raped, you know, my freshman year. But I do think the lack of protection, the lack or my need for wanting to feel like people love me, somebody. I think all of that played into me trusting people when I should have been paying more attention to what they were showing me. So I wrote her this letter. It started with my mother. Then it started with my dad, my biological dad. Because you weren't there. Where were you? 
I was supposed to be daddy's girl. Like, I got friends and they're daddy's girl. I don't even know what that feels like. Where were you? Because even when mama failed me, daddy should have been there to rescue me. Like, that's how I felt. So I started journaling and I started writing all of this stuff out. And that's when I started to begin to release all of this anger I had been holding in against my mama, my daddy, the world. Like, I just, I felt the release. And so, yeah, it started with journaling, which is why I feel like God gave me my purpose when it comes to creating journals and helping people discover the healing wonders that journaling has. Because for me, I had to, I started writing it. I started writing it. And once I started writing it, at some point I was able to speak about it. I was able to share it verbally. So. Journaling. Journal. I know that you are the author of a journal. You have a series of books that you've put out. Mm -hmm. For you, when it comes to journaling, do you feel like it's therapeutic for both girls and boys? And, you know, if you got a problem with me saying girls and boys, then you just got a problem with me saying girls and boys. <laughs> I can include all genders. So I'll just say that all genders because I don't want people emailing me with a bunch of shit. Okay. Yeah. Like right now, I don't have the time for that. Like, come at me. Don't come at me because I'm going to curse you out. That's all I'm saying. So <laughs> when you do your journals, are they gender neutral? Good question. So I would say, um, first of all, let me say that I believe um, journaling is not just... Um, boys and girls, or I think journaling is therapeutic for all people, okay. all races, all sexes, all um, nationalities, all, you know, religious beliefs. I think journaling has its benefits for all people. But um, when I first started journaling and I realized, you know, how it was helping me and it was starting to heal me and release a lot of this anger and resentment that I had towards certain people. I created and came up with this with my organization at the time that was called Speak Sister, Your Voice Matters, because that's what I realized through journaling. I was like, my voice matters. I do have a voice. I do get to speak up. I do get to say how I felt and how you treated me and this and that, you know. So I created Speak Sister, Your Voice Matters. So my journals, the journals that I have out now, they are gender specific because they are all created up under Speak Sister. So the journals that I have now, I have um, a specific journal that I work with um, little girls from the ages of 12 to 17 in that very um, tender age group of when you're first being introduced to sex and drugs and homosexuality and all kind of other stuff that life can happen to you. So I specifically created that journal for that, that, that demographic, 12 to 17 girls. And then I have a journal that I also created for college students. That was my first journal because that's where I was at when I, you know, I was the college student. I, well, I wasn't in college, but when I started healing, 
I had to go back to how I felt in college and who I was in college and, you know, the things that I was doing in college based on life experiences that had happened to me up until that point. So I created a journal um, specifically for college girls because I, I wanted them to understand that even though we're in college and we're, you know, here to get an education, you can still life, things can still happen that should not happen. So I created, that was my first journal. Then my second journal is for women and is for adult women, ages 18 to however. And that journal specifically helps you deal with becoming, you know, coming into womanhood and how to be a proper woman, how to handle life in spite of the things that happened to us in our past. So it helps you to get those things out and then it helps you to move into being a, a, a woman, you know what I'm saying? Like a more ladylike woman, like being in control of your emotions and, and being in control of, you know, when life happens, how you deal and handle with that so that we're not out here just looking a wreck and making a further wreck of our life. And then, like I said, the other journal is for my girls ages 12 to 17 to help maybe get to them before they get to the age of 18 and older. So that, and cause when I created that journal in my mind, I was like, if we can reach our young girls and we can help them cope with what, you know, what's happening at this age, because they're bombarded and LP, you and I are older. So we know that generation now is bombarded with way more than we were. Like internet did not exist. Cell phones didn't exist. Access to all kinds of stuff on the internet did not exist for us. Most of the stuff that we heard and knew about we saw it in magazines or we heard it from friends and it was coming from what was happening in, in their households. You know what I'm saying? So I made it intentional to try to reach that specific age group, hoping that I can help them walk into being a young adult at the age of 18, 19 into womanhood at the age of 25, 30, 35, a little bit more healed than probably most of us were at their age, if that makes sense. That makes so and you know for me the reason I asked the question is I focus again I talk about all genders I also want people to have awareness when it comes to men issues specifically one of the reasons that I started doing this podcast is because men typically typically don't talk about their shit they don't talk about emotional stuff that happens, especially traumas. They don't share their emotions. We're taught a different set of the three R's. Everybody knows about being taught reading, writing, arithmetic. I say we get taught a different set of R's in addition to that. That's being rough, rugged, and raw. And we're taught to suppress our emotions because typically most men that teach that to other young boys tell them, oh, you're a punk if you cry. You're a sissy, you're a F-A-G, you know, you're a little bitch if you cry. All of these negative, you know, connotations that are ascribed to a male crying. My mm -hmm. conversation with guys is you're not a one-cell amoeba. You're not a cyborg. You are a living, breathing organism. For example, if your brother LP needs a kidney, and Coach K is not only a match 
as a donor, but a willing donor. You're going to save my life. It doesn't matter that you're a woman that I'm getting a mm-hmm. kidney from. It's an mm-hmm. organ. It's, a, it's one human saving another human because we have something in common. And that's, we got certain organs that are the same, no matter what gender you are or anything like that. But when it comes to emotions, we make a difference. And that's where the problem really, really, really starts. And we have to get away from that. What do you say to people when you're talking with the clients that you see and you have this men versus women, this boy shouldn't do this, girl shouldn't, girl should only feel this way. What do you say in those discussions? Okay. That's a very good question. Um, so what I didn't say before is that what I what I said is I initially created Speak Sister, your voice matters. And then about two years ago, I started to see because I'm connected in my community, and I started to see that there are a lot of organizations and there's a lot of events and things happening for women. Like, you know, we pour into our women. There is a lot of women things going on. And there's only a few men that are stepping up to the plate to be mentors and coaches for our young men and our men. Because even as adult men, y'all, I feel like y'all can still benefit from your older generation, just like we as women can still benefit from our older generation. And I didn't see a lot of things for men. And so I decided to revamp my business. And I did away with um, Speak Sister. And I created Speak Sister, Brother Speak. So that's now the name of my organization. I'm still working on my Brother Speak because I need mentors and I need coaches to go out into the into our communities and pour into our young men. But I, I wanted to create this because I have a vision and I see what God is doing to reach our young men and our young boys. Like my ultimate goal is to begin to heal our whole community. So what you just said, LP, what I I have I have a son. He's 26 years old. And I see, I see his struggle. I've seen it since he was a little boy, but I definitely started to see it when he became, when he got in high school and then when he graduated, because he took me through some stuff. He was, you know, I saw his struggle and I still see his struggle, but I'm starting to see his maturity and I'm starting to see him coming to his manhood and I'm starting to see him, you know, growing up, so to speak. So... With that being said, I I feel like, just like with him, I'm careful because I'm, mo- I'm a woman. I'm a woman first and I'm a mother second. I don't want no weak son, so let me just be clear on that, okay? I don't want a weak son just like I don't want a weak man. I still need you to be a man. And since I'm not a man, I'm very careful when I talk to my son and how I talk to him, but I do let him know it's okay to express your feelings, Okay. but 
as men and correct me if i'm wrong about this lp but i do feel like because i studied y'all long enough like y'all y'all niggas done took me through some stuff so just understand i learned from every lesson so i feel like i'm i may be a little bit further along the journey of understanding men than maybe a lot of women i could be wrong i'm speaking from my own vantage point but what i'm saying is when i talk to my son I tell him it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to share your feelings. Please, like I'm imploring, I'm begging you, don't hold that in. Get that shit out. Do not hold it in. But as a man, as a man, be careful of who of who you're vulnerable with. Because yeah. not every woman that you share your stuff with can you trust that could be that very woman that as soon as she's mad with you because she's also unhealed and don't know how to control her emotions as soon as she gets mad with you she will use that against you she will tear you down with the very vulnerability that you share with her so i try to tell my son get it out it's okay but be careful with who you, who you share it with. And even with your homeboys, be careful. But you can also be the, the person that can help even your boys start to open up and be a little bit more, more vulnerable. If that, like with you, LP, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm seeing men open up a little bit more. So what I'm trying to encourage in my son is you're a leader. Like you, you can help heal your generation by giving them space safe spaces to open up but as men y'all gotta be a little careful with that because the world views you one way and if you show something else they're gonna view you as weak they're gonna view you you know what i'm saying so i i, I don't i don't know if i'm doing the right thing with my son i just know what i need when it comes to a man so that's what i pour into my son like, make sure when you share that you're in a safe space. And if you don't feel like you're in a safe space, then you don't share it with that person. That's when you come home, you got your sister, you got your mama. That's when you can break down and be your vulnerable self. Just know who you can be vulnerable with and you're safe in those spaces. And that's the same for women too, but it's a little bit more um, tricky when it comes to men because as women and just how the world views y'all, especially black men, we just we just want y'all to be strong. And I don't know if that's wrong, even on my point, being a mother. Say I don't want a weak son. I don't. But I want my son to also let his stuff out. I don't want him out here messing up the world because of his own stuff. Does that make sense? <laughs> it makes all the sense in the world. And you know, for me, I'm so glad that you're saying this because again, men are not robots. Men are not, again, they're not cyborgs. We got to stop acting like we don't have feelings and emotions. And it is okay, Mom, Kay, for you to <laughs> have certain things that you want in your son. It is okay. My mom, you know what she told me growing up? You need to know how to cook, sew, clean, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. write a check. 
and all of these things because there's no guarantee that you're going to be married. You may be a bachelor for the rest of your natural life. What does that have to do with your kitchen being dirty and you just eating fast food when you can save money and health on mm-hmm. all damn meals and stuff? What does mm-hmm. that have to do with the price of tea in China and you writing your own checkbook and all, you know, balancing your own checkbook and all these mm-hmm. other things? You cannot depend solely and totally on somebody else, especially in a relationship. Don't have somebody just taking care of you. Take care yep. of your damn self. That was just one of the nuggets that she dropped in my head over the years. And so it's great that you have that mindset in talking to your son and telling them, hey, you didn't say, hey, I want you to be a man. And that means, you know, be rough, rough and raw. Don't show your emotions. Be some, you know, you didn't say, hey, I'm going to raise you to be some caveman, knuckle dragon, Neanderthal dinosaur. Here's the plan. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had done that, you know what? You got problems, lady. <laughs> but you didn't do that. And thank God you didn't do that. So, and LP, I will also, let me just add this. I will tell you that, yes, I raised my kids, both my daughter, like, if if anybody were to meet my children, my because I, I only have two biologically, my son and my and my daughter, you will see both energies residing in both of my kids. You will see feminine energy in my son as well as masculine, and you will see masculine energy and feminine energy in my daughter. Neither one of them are too, you know, one sided. There, neither one of them are one sided towards any energy. They both have I ain't gonna, I don't know if it's equal amount of energies but they both have that energy because my son washes his own clothes my son cooks like you know what I'm saying my daughter does the same but my daughter will also get out in the yard cut the grass like she, you know so it's just like and as parents sometimes there because there are still some things I look and I'm like god I might have failed them in this area and I, I decided, and this just happened like a few weeks ago. I just I decided to take that burden off of me of the areas that I still see them slacking. And I started to give myself credit for the areas where I see growth in my children and I see my influence as their mother, a single mother for most of their life. Well, not most, because I was married, but a single mother at a period in their life. And I see my influence and I see, you know, how they were raised. So I start, I, I, be, I a few weeks ago, I said, I'm going to take this off of me. I'm not going to beat myself up because my kids aren't perfect because I still see, because I think that's what it was. I still see some, you know, imperfections. I'm like, oh my God, I failed them. No, I didn't. No, I did not. My kids are, you know, the best that they could possibly be being raised by me and their stepfather and not having a how to raise kids. So I'm going to say that yeah, they both um, have both feminine and masculine energy in both of them. And so when you said your mom, you know, was telling you about cooking and that kind of stuff, that's important because whether you get married or not, there's going to be a period in your life when you're going to be by yourself and you need to know how to take care of yourself. And that's that time. Cause let me tell you about my son now with his little girlfriend. That's that time when she decides she wants to put you out or you ain't did this. 
That's yep. how you can stand in your own because yep. your mama taught you how to wash your clothes and cook for yourself and do this and do that. Cause you know, us little girls, I and I'm, I'm putting myself back in that equation. When we think, you know, we doing everything, we, you know, that's when we pack your stuff and get out of our house. Yep. <laughs> I but, you know, that's that emotion. Familiar <laughs> with those things in terms of my mama was like, yeah, you're going to learn how to live as an independent adult mm -hmm. before you leave my house. Mm -hmm. I knew how to cook. Mm -hmm. I knew how to wash. Not, I'm speaking in past tense. I learned those things. I still know how to do those things. And I am well to this day. So I am so happy that you had that conversation with him that you're instilling these things in him because, again, you're not telling him, hey, I want you to live independently. You're only telling him, hey, you may, whether you're in a relationship or not, you need to have these skills. Mm -hmm. It's not a, it's not a, it's a skill and a will issue. You mm -hmm. need to have the skills and you will learn these skills. <clears throat> and it only enhances him as a man, you know right. what I'm saying? Like in a relationship, it only enhances you because that means she doesn't have to cook tonight. Guess what? You don't cook. You cook. You know, so, and you know how to cook. You ain't got to go boil some hot dogs because that's all you know how to do or go pop something in the microwave. No, you can go in there and fry some chicken or do, you know, like you know how to help take care of your family. So it enhances you um, as a man when you are in a relationship because women we need that help we don't want to be the only ones in the kitchen we don't want to be you know we as a matter of fact most women you know you know how to cook like that's a whole bonus oh he know how to cook you know what it also does because for me when i'm talking to especially young boys and young men and men say these things possibly will eliminate a lot of the domestic violence that we see in the homes. Now, your brother LP, and I'm not speaking in third person, but I'm just saying because this is audio only. Your brother LP talks about domestic violence from a broader scale than most people do. When I think of domestic violence, I don't just think of in the home. I even put under that umbrella incidents that happen outside of the home, that happen where you live. We all, you live in the U.S., I live in the U.S. So when that shooting happened in Buffalo or what happened in Texas today and what happened a week or two ago with all these mass shootings that happened in the U.S., this is our home. We live in the U.S. So when those acts of violence happen, I consider those acts not only of domestic terror, I consider those acts of domestic violence. And here's why. They're happening domestically. They're happening in our home. They don't have to be under my roof and four walls, but they're happening in where I live, in the U.S. Even though I live in my state, it's in North Carolina. It's still in my home. I'm a U.S. citizen. It happened on U.S. soil, damn it. That's where I live. It's a domestic violence situation because who knows what other situations was going on at that man's home? 
we're learning now that with this shooting that happened today and this the body count is 21 18 kids three adults wait did they yeah. just get oh my yeah. god okay so he shot he shot his grandma first she survived but that was the start of it the shooting this happened at, in the home, but again, you got to include domestic violence in everything that you're talking about from a broader scale because it may happen only in that residence, but then it spilled out into the school. It may mm -hmm. happen only in the home where the systemic racism and the prejudice is being taught. Then it spills out into the damn supermarket, yep. like what happened in Buffalo. So when we're talking about domestic violence, we got to think from a broader scale and just look at it from this perspective. When you're teaching that young man about living in a world where he may be independent, and even if he's not and he's in a relationship, he can do those things. By teaching him about doing those things, you are lessening the likelihood that a domestic violence situation happens in that residence that he lives in with that other person, that partner, because we see it all the time. We see domestic violence incidents where they happen in a home where the guy got mad at the, the woman because she didn't cook the dinner right or she didn't wash the clothes or she didn't have, she didn't do this and she didn't do that. And then he goes upside her head or he calls her a bitch or, you know, some other thing. Or he starts doing all this negative stuff, drinking and, and doing all these other things. All this shit is domestic violence. So I'm glad that we're talking about these things because, again, people have to think outside of the box. That brings me to our pin point that we talked about. Not only on this can podcast. I, can I elaborate on that just, sure. uh, just real quick? Okay, Absolutely. because um, what I'm starting to see, especially with this younger generation, the millennials, whatever, you know, Gen, Gen X's, Gen, I'm not sure what they're called these days. But what I'm starting to see with these with this younger generation is there are also a lot of um, girls that... Um, put down domestic abuse i'm starting yeah. to see like i see a lot of girls that are violent they like these girls these days they are so quick to jump up in a in a man's face so quick to get in somebody's face pointing their finger you know saying stuff and i'm just i'm starting to realize that domestic violence back you know when back in our day in our parents generation it mostly, for the most part, is stemmed from men. When you when you saw, you know, somebody when you spoke of domestic violence, everybody just assumed it was it was you know the man. Yeah. But today, we don't know who's who is the abuser, because I'm seeing a lot of women really um, attacking our men like really attacking our like when like really attacking our men so i just want to be clear you know when we talk about domestic abuse and violence or whatever 
that it's just not women. Men are being being abused as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It goes both ways. Thank you for saying that because you actually beat me to it. That's the Aquarius thing that we got in common. I'm telling you, it's like we <laughs> finish each other's sentences in, in so many ways or whatever. <laughs> Domestic violence happens across the board. Gender be damned. Now, we know a lot of it is more the genders that identify as male to the genders that identify as female. That happens more just basically. That's how However, it's not exclusive. So making that point is a great point. And it takes me to the next thing that I wanted us to talk about before we wrap up, which is this. You had a conversation that I was a part of last night in a room on Clubhouse. And I want you to bring that conversation back up, that last point that you made where you were talking about friendship between the sexes and how that plays a role in sexually-based offenses. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I can. So last night, we were talking about um, what there was, you know, a lady, a young lady in the room, and she had had a friend, or she had been friends with you know, someone of the opposite sex, a male, and he had been her friend for a while, and they, you know, she had a night of vulnerability and realized that he, I don't know, I can't remember her the whole story if he ghosted her, but either way, he started, you know, being different towards her after, you know, she had that night of vulnerability. And so in that space, I shared because I've learned this, that there are men, for a woman, there are men that will play that friend role. They will sit in friend zone for years if they have to. And I know this because it happened to me. They will sit in friend zone for years and they will do everything that you, you know, that you need of them. They're there for you when you need them. They will listen to you you know, be there for you, take you wherever you need to go, come do whatever you need to do at your home. Like they are your friend. They're your homeboy. So, this, you know, that's how it feels. Yeah. And you can, they can play that role for years and you can have one night or a moment of vulnerability. And because you trust this person and you spent so much time around them, and you feel like you know them and you trust them, you can have that moment of vulnerability. And that's when their real cards are revealed, if you ask me. Um, that's when you realize that you play, you were you were playing a role. Like you were playing a role, because as soon as you got me to a place where I was vulnerable and you got what you always wanted. Now your interest in me has faded or it seems to be fading. And so I just feel like um, for women, especially, we have to be careful about the men that we call friends and the men that like we got to we just got to be a little bit more careful about that, because there are some some men 
that will sit in friend zone and I've seen it happen. They could do it for years and I didn't even know that was possible, but they could do it for years. They could sit in that zone because their ultimate goal is to like, they have a goal for you. And that ultimate goal is to finally catch you at a moment where they can get what it is they want from you. And at that point, then it's like, okay, got her. Now I'm no longer interested. So, yeah. You know what I thought about while you were talking just now? I'm not even talking about earlier because let me get to what I was just thinking about right now. And then I get to why this point is very important for all the listeners. I thought about one of my favorite songs by one of my favorite artists. The artist is Maxwell. And when he came out with his first album, Urban Hang Sweet, one of the first songs that he came out with was his song, Ascension. And everybody knows the chorus, shouldn't I realize you're the highest of the high? And if you don't know, then I'll say it, so don't ever wonder. Mm -hmm. He's somewhat a woman. Now, mm -hmm. that song can be also viewed from a spiritual point of view if you're a religious person. Shouldn't I realize you're the highest of the high talking about whatever deity you believe in? He was talking about a woman, though. And I thought about just what you were saying now, and I thought about the conversation we had earlier, because as you said, you will have, and we're just talking about guys right now, you'll have guys that will sit for years. It happens probably more with guys than women. That will sit there in friend zone for years waiting for an opportunity. When you and I in the room, I was like, damn, that is so important for you to say. And it was at the end of the room, so I didn't really get a chance to chime in. However, I thought about it afterwards. And what came to my mind was, damn, wait a minute. That's some predatory behavior shit. And you and I talked about it today before this interview. And I want you to just for like two minutes just talk about the predatory behavior aspect of it. Because women typically are viewed, we put you on a pedestal, you're the ultimate prize in a man's eye, in most men's eye and point of view. So talk about that from a predatory perspective. Okay. Well, I think what makes it look predatory, um, because I'm not a predator, so I can't speak from, you know, that viewpoint. And I heard it wrong. I shouldn't say it. Say no, it. no. Yeah. I, yeah. My bad. I didn't mean No, that. it's okay. Yeah. But I think what makes it look predatory is the fact that you are, there's something already about this woman that you view possibly as weak and vulnerable. Because maybe as you're playing her friend, you see how how giving and how easy she is for another man, so to speak. Because that, you know, as our friend, we talk to you about our relationships. Yeah. So, you you know, you, you're the person we talk to and you're the person that's supposedly giving us advice from a man's perspective on how to handle our relationship. What makes it predatory is as we're speaking to you and we're talking to you, you're, you are able to see maybe just how naive we really are. And that's the part that you use 
and that you play. And that's how you get to stay in friend zone for a while. But it's also that part because you already know this ain't going to work. It ain't going to last because you're, you're preying on us. So as you're preying on us, you're giving us advice that we think is like, oh, okay, yeah. But you're also giving us advice that pulls us closer to you, makes you look better to a certain extent. So when the relationship ends, you're still here. And now we're crying to you. We're like, oh my God, he did this and blah, blah, blah. And you're the one that comes to our rescue because you knew it was going to happen anyway because you prayed on us. You saw, the, you you know, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like that, at least in my case, I feel like that's what happened. I feel like, you know, you were, you prayed on me because you, I let you into my, you're my friend. So whereas I couldn't probably share with other people, you know, my insecurities and my everything else, I shared those things with you because I thought you were my friend. I didn't know you were using those things against me to get to me and to get next to me. And that's what you did. So you preyed on me. You became a predator in my life. That's uh, that's a very very critical point that I wanted us to make to all the listeners because I believe that you have to include that point of view in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Coach K, you are a certified life coach. What is your view on? terminology in regards to survivor, victim and those terms what do you use and what do you prefer and why okay I prefer to say I prefer to use survivor I don't um, prefer to use victim and the reason why is because I feel like it's a mental state of mind So when you say you're a victim, I feel like it can keep you in a victimized state. It can keep you in a victimized state because you label yourself. And I am a firm believer that words have power. What we speak out of our mouth and the things that we think in our head, I feel like that has the power to change and affect your life, whether positive or negative and victim to me keeps you in a victim state of of mentality you're a victim maybe when you're still in it because you're still in it so maybe you're a victim then but when you have come out of it even if you haven't healed from it but you have you're no longer with that man that beat on you or you're no longer with the man that raped you And when you've come out of certain situations, you're not a victim anymore. You are a survivor, even though you are still struggling with what happened to you and you are still trying to heal from it. The fact that you are on the other side of it makes you a survivor. So in my opinion, I don't like the term victim, especially when I'm dealing with my clients who have come out of their situations and now they're just trying to heal from it. You're not a victim, baby. You ain't married to that man no more. You ain't with that man no more. You ain't that child no more. You're an adult. 
you are a survivor. And to me, survivor puts fight in you. When you say survivor, it's just kind of like, oh, you know what? I did survive that. It kind of makes you pump your pump your chest up a little bit. And it to me, it gives you some type of energy to make you want to keep pushing, to hope, to make you, to give you hope that, yep, I can get through this. I can come through. I already came through this. So now it's it's only up from here. I'm going to become better. I'm going to do better. God gave me purpose. Like at the end of the day, everything we've gone through in life, there's purpose behind it. And it's God's purpose for us in life. It, it That's your story. That's how you're going to go out here and help somebody else become better. That's how you're going to bring people from victim to survivor. Like, that's it. Have you heard, I'm sure you have, but I'm just asking for the record. Have you heard other terms like overcomer, champion, triumphant, victor, victorious, those things being utilized with clients that you see? Yes, I have. And I'll be honest with you, LP, I'm I'm very simple when it okay. comes to stuff. And I know that the way the world is set up now and with the internet and with, you know, so many people doing so many things and so many people wanting to do so many things. I also understand that there are certain people that have been called to do what they are doing. And there are certain people that are just doing what they want to do, even though it may not quite be their purpose, but it seems either lucrative for them or it just seems to be the hippest thing to do or it's easy to do. But when I speak to people that, or when I speak about it, it's because I know I'm called to do this. So I don't, I try not to, no, let me, let me change that. Not try. I do not get caught up in other terminology for what we are. We are survivors, period. You can put triumph. Yep, I did triumph. You can put overcomer. Yep, I overcame. You can put whatever other terminology on it. At the end of the day, I am a survivor. I survived. I am still standing today. So all of this new technology and new words and new, I don't get caught up in that. I'll, that's for everybody else. But for me, I deal with victims who are now survivors. You were a victim. Now you're a survivor. I stay in survivor mode. Uh, it's, it's too, everything can get lost. Everything can get muddled and lost in the translation of what, as real life coaches, what we're supposed to be doing if we get caught up in everything else. It's got to be simple because the people we deal with, we got to keep it simple for them. We can't be like, oh, yeah, you're an overcomer. Then they go talk to somebody else. And, oh, no, you're a survivor. Oh, no, you triumph. It's <laughs> all of survivor encompasses every every one of those words. It absolutely it encompasses all of it. Let me tell I you survived. Why. Let me tell you why I laugh. Because before we started doing this podcast, not the one that we're doing now, but I'm saying before we actually started doing a podcast, I should say, my, my Mrs. LP and I, mm -hmm. we had this very conversation and I was asking her about terminology. And I said, you know, again, far be it from me being the knuckle dragon caveman Neanderthal dinosaur, because I know a lot of the people that I interview and, and talk to more 
those interviewees are women. And so when I'm having these discussions, but these things happen to men too. And so I said, well, I just want to be educated, not just being politically correct, but I want to be hypersensitive to people's descriptions. And so she said, well, for her, there's only two reasons why you use the word victim in reference to somebody. Either you're talking about the crime or that person is dead from that act. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, okay. So she said, the standard is survivor. I said, okay. She said, but you're going to hear some other things and you got to be ready for that so it does not throw you off your square. So when I started doing these pre-interviews, I had one woman who was like, I don't like Survivor. I, I said, okay, what well, say you? She said, I like Overcomer. I said, oh, please explain. And she went into it. And I was like, after she told me, I was like, oh, I get it. That, I, I, okay. Next week, same conversation, different person. I don't like Survivor. I don't like Overcomer. What well, say you? I like Champion. Why? Went, laid it out all out. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. I, I like that explanation. Next week, different kind, different person, same question. I don't like Survivor. I don't like Overcomer. I don't like Champion. What say you? I like Triumphant. Why do you say that? Laid it all out. I was like, oh, I like that explanation too. Okay, let me put it on the list. Next week, different person. Same question comes up. Victor, Victor and Victorious. Please explain. They explained it. I was like, okay, Mark. Very next week, different person, same conversation. This lady was like, I know I hadn't even gotten to the question yet. My bad. Different person, next week, same conversation, because this is a pre-interview. She starts saying, well, you know, I'm a victim and here's what happened to me as a victim. And I I just love the fact that you're allowing me to tell my story. And I was like, hold on, wait, stop, please. Hold on, pause, time out. It's just like, what? I said, you just referred to yourself as victim. And you said it three times, twice in one sentence, back to back. I said, can you please explain this to me? Because I'm bugging out right now. She was like, oh. And she laid it all out. And I was like, well, and, and I'm telling you, what she said, I was like, damn. If that works for you, then that's what works for you. And I got to look at it like that. And I'm telling you, what she said to me, it was like, like every other explanation that I had got using a different word from all these other individuals. Mm-hmm. So, but I still don't, I only use what the person uses to identify themselves as. So if you say victim and you want to be referred to as that, then damn it, that's what we're Well, you know what? Let me go a little deeper with this. And I hope I don't don't go over people's heads because, you know, sometimes I can get real deep. It's Aquarius in me and I can go over people's heads. So let me just say this. I don't know the context that the last person used when they said victim, when they still refer to themselves as victim, even though they are probably out of the situation. But I can kind of see that 
because at the end of the day, we are still we are still victims of yeah. what happened to us if we are still trying to heal from what happened to us, if that makes sense. Like you may be out of it, but you're still healing from it. You still got residual damage. You still aren't, you know, properly handling yourself and you are still allowing that situation to affect you you know, negatively as you try to move forward in your life. So in that regard, you are still a victim. I, like I said, like to use the term survivor when I'm dealing with my clients, because in my opinion, as long as you are physically out of the situation, you have survived. But are you still a victim emotionally and mentally? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know, the I don't know how she used it to refer to herself as a victim, but I have, I'm not going to dispute that because yes, we are still victims if we are still emotionally and um, mentally trying to heal from that trauma. We are still victims. I use survivor because physically you are out of it and you survived it physically because there are not a lot of people that get out of certain situations physically. So I just had to clear that up because I ain't mad with the term victim. It depends on where you are in your life at the time that you relate, you know, say that you are a victim. So I ain't really mad at it. But all those other terms, they can miss me with that because they all in, you're either a victim or you're a survivor that I, I, I can't do all the other stuff. I, I'm just simple. I'm simple. And I got to keep it simple for the people I'm trying to help and I'm trying to reach. I got to keep it simple. You're a victim or you're a survivor. And that's what we're going to work from, from your state of mind, conqueror, champion, and, and all of that encompasses being a survivor, in my opinion. And that's just my opinion. Coach K said it because she stayed coached up, period. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I that. Oh, damn. That was awesome. Oh. <laughs> I just had to get a little sassy. I'm just saying. I'm just playing though. I'm not trying to offend anybody. For anybody that hears this podcast, I promise I'm not trying to offend. I am just who I am. And I cannot deny the type of life coach I am. And I am who I am. We're going to wrap it over to Hey, I want you to tell everybody what you're doing now because you're doing some phenomenal work not only with Speak Sister Brothers Speak LLC, but you got some other things that I'm really excited about. And one thing that I'm a part of is the Brothers Speak LLC. But I want you to tell us what's coming down the pipe for you now and in the near future. Oh, wow. Okay, so um, I do. I have a lot of things that I'm, I'm working on, a lot of, you know, different things and visions that God has given me. But I will say you guys can look forward to possibly two more journals being put out by your girl, Coach K. Renee. And I am working on a, okay, let me, so I'm also wanting to get into having master classes. I want to start doing master classes. The first one I'm thinking may be how to let go of people and how to do it properly, because I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, they're coming out of relationships and people are leaving their lives or they're choosing to leave people lives. 
and it's just a whole lot of mess. People just are not doing like it's just mess. It's it's messiness, and I'm I want to do a master class on that because you miss your blessing when you get petty and you bring in a lot of messiness when you realize that either you don't need to be with this person or they're realizing they don't need to be with you. You're missing your blessing. You're missing what God is really trying to do for you when he's removing people and bringing new people into your life. So I want to start doing master classes and that may be the first one. Um, I am putting together with my brother LP, who is going to be on my committee. I am putting together the first Speak Sister Brother Speak Retreat. So that's coming up. Uh, I'm doing other stuff. I'm doing podcasts. I'm vending at different events. I'm going to be speaking at different events. So there's a lot of things. But as far as the, the vision and the goals and dreams that I have for myself, yeah, is to get these, these two journals out and is to, you know, put the annual retreat together for Speak Sister Brother Speak. And it's just to help, you know, help my community. And my community doesn't just extend to where I reside. My community is my community. It's wherever I am. If I'm in another city, then that's my community. If I'm in another state, that's my community. If I'm in another country, that's my community. And that's what I want to reach. So thank you. Coach K. I love you so much. I'm so happy that we were able to get this podcast done and completed. People that are listening, we're going to have all your contact information. Starting with your 10K card. What's your 10K card, young lady? It is Coach K. Renee at 10kcard.com. 10K, what is it? 10k.com? That's it. Okay. We'll have that and your other social media information available in the show notes that will be available in this audio only podcast that's going to be streaming on most of your major platforms that you listen to the podcast on. Coach K, I want to, I want you to also tell us how people can get your books and your journals. Okay. So my journals are available um, on Amazon all you have to do is type in speak sister your voice Matt. well you might even all you have to do is type in speak sister the speak sister journals that's it the speak sister journals and they should pop up and the name that comes up i am divorced now my name is kimberly hobbs but when i created those journals it's up under kimberly hollins cuz that's my maiden name that's my okay. premier name. name yeah yeah so the Speak Sister Journals, they're on Amazon. And then you can reach out to me personally. You can find me on Facebook um, at speaksister.ybm. Or you can find me on Instagram. On Instagram, I am Coach K underscore Renee. And you can just reach out to me personally. Send me a, a DM if you want an autograph journal, because I do have journals on hand. And I can um, mail them to you. And they can be you know, autographed by me. So that's how you can get those journals. And that's also how you can find me and follow me. And my website is coachkrenee.net. You know and that's what? how you can book services with me. Hmm? You know what? what? I don't know why you didn't have those books and journals in your trunk when we all met in Atlanta. Because I would have bought probably all of that then. 
right you there. know what lp i didn't even I, you know i don't worry i bet you i won't sleep on it again because i didn't even <laughs> think about it but don't worry i will not sleep on that again that's all right i got you yeah so definitely make sure you go to her 10k card again we're going to have the information listed in the show description She'll have those links on her 10K card. And if she doesn't, I'm sure it will be on there before the end of this week. Coach K, I want to thank you so much. You have provided so many nuggets, so much value, and so much information that is going to help people who are dealing with domestic violence, who are dealing with sexually-based offenses. And they know that if they need an outlet, you provide that outlet in the form of your books and your journals, if nothing else. So I want to thank you so much for joining the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. I have a parting question for you, and that is, if you could write a letter and or email to your younger self, what would you say to you? You got well, one minute to answer. Yeah, and that's in my journal, so that's easy to answer. Yeah. I would just let her know you are okay. You are safe. You will get through this. You are loved. You are beautiful. And this is what's going to give you your purpose when you get older. This is what God is at. This is this is God, baby. It's God. You're going to be okay. You're going to be safe. You're safe. That's the question that's in my journal. So that's very easy to answer. Excellent. All right. This is going to end Coach Kim's portion of the podcast. Again, Coach K, I will see you in a few minutes in Loyalty's room. Got a lot to talk about in there. We're just going to wrap up this portion of the podcast. You have a great evening. I'll see you in a few minutes. All right. I love you, brother. Love you too, sis. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. And so... We're going to finish the recording of this podcast. We want to thank Coach K for joining in the show. We also we're going to wrap up this interview as we always do with a missing person case. We focus on black and brown men, women, and children because we want to give more media attention to those who are missing. This story comes from WTVR.com it is about a young girl. Her name is Keisha Jacobs. I'm going to play the news clip about her missing story. I want you to take a listen to this. see 1825 days that's how long it's been since Keisha Jacobs was last seen here near Chimborazo Park and as time goes on her mother says she is not giving up in her search for answers and she hopes that you won't either she used to like to hug all the time for no reason why I need a hug and I'd be like oh god Keisha I just gave you a hug it's the little things she had fat fingers and I used to play with her fingers <laughs> Tony Jacobs misses the most and we like scary movies we used to sit on the bed and pretend like you know we had the movie theater laying in the bed with the blanket about her daughter Keisha Jacobs after she disappeared without a trace I never thought that it would be five years and my daughter still wouldn't be home on September 26, 2016, Kishay, who was 21 at the time, visited a friend's house near Richmond's Chimborazo Park. She texted her mother saying she made it there safely and that she'd see her tomorrow. But Tony still waits for that tomorrow, five years later. That was the last time I talked to my daughter or seen my daughter. There are no new updates 
at the moment. Clarence Key III with the Richmond Police Department is the lead detective on Quiche's case. Investigators previously determined that foul play is suspected. We feel that we felt um, all along that there are individuals out there that know a lot more than what they're saying. They hope renewed attention surrounding Quiche on the fifth anniversary of her disappearance will spark new leads. If something happened to your family member, you want somebody to help you. So I'm asking, I'm begging, and I'm pleading to please help me, help my daughter. And help bring closure to a heartbroken mother. Baby, I love you, and I miss you so much. And mommy's not stopping until I find you. I'm going to find you. And I'm going to bring you home. And I love you. And I love you. I love you. I love you. And here's how she says that you can help. Tell everyone you know about Keisha Jacobs. Tell them about her story and share her pictures on your social media as much as you can. Now, police say there have been no charges or arrests in this case, but John Burkett's Crime Insider sources say a person of interest is in custody in connection to a separate incident. Working for you in Richmond tonight, I'm Tyler Lane, CBS 6 News. If you have any information about Quiche's disappearance, call the Richmond Police Department or Crime Solvers. Quiche was last seen wearing black basketball shorts, pink and black Nike basketball shoes, and a pink scarf. She has tattoos on her right foot, right leg, and right hand of a leaf, paws, and a flower. Again, if you know anything about the whereabouts of Quiche Jacobs, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, please contact the Richmond Police Department or Crime Solvers. Okay, well, that's going to be it for this episode of the Trigger Warning Talk podcast. My name is Larry Penton, LP. I want to thank you for joining us. And until next time, live in awareness, don't live in fear. LP out.